Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. How close did we come to seeing a war with Iran? Ooh. Apparently way too close for comfort. Cocked and loaded, stated President Trump on his Twitter. We had something ready to go subject to my approval. And about a half an hour before they came and they said, sir, we're ready to go. We'd like a decision. I said, I want to know something before you go. How many people will be killed? They said, uh, sir, approximately 150. And I thought about it for a second. I said, you know what? They shot down an unmanned uh, drone, Mm -hmm. plane, whatever you want to call it. And here we are sitting with 150 dead people that would have taken place probably within a half an hour after I said, go ahead. And I didn't like it. I didn't think it was I didn't think it was proportionate. Iran had shot down a U.S. drone doing surveillance in the area. And of course, this follows other provocations, including the bombing of two oil tankers in the Straits of Hormuz that happened last week. So clearly, Iran wants to poke the bear. Uh, I wouldn't be poking this bear. Because the bear can crush them. And so the ball's now in their court. And hate Trump as you might, you know, as you might. He, he's developed, I think, an interesting approach to this, which puts Iran, you know, in the, in the chair to have to make the next move. Uh, John Robson is columnist for the National Post, a regular here on the show, and executive director of the Climate Discussion Nexus. He joins us now. Hi, John. Hello. Were you, uh, I mean, I don't think anything Mr. Trump does surprises us, but uh, were you surprised by the reports of how close this came? Not really, because Iran, first of all, we had these attacks on oil tankers that the United States said were Iranian government or Iranian government agency uh, actions. And then we had the shooting down of a drone. So you've had two military acts by Iran threatening assets of the United States, threatening regional stability, threatening, in the case of the oil tankers, um, the world economy. The United States has to do something. And then Donald Trump gives us this, well, and then I back down because there'll be 150 people dead. Uh, Of course, with Donald Trump, you never know what he'll do next. So the Iranians can't go, okay, fine, he's back in his box. Uh, But at the same time, you can't do nothing. Mm-hmm. You can't say, okay, that's fine, you do that, and you know, you test us, we have no resolve, you pick the time, you pick the place. On the other hand, there's a certain virtue in being unpredictable, that you don't go straight tit for tat, because that lets the other side control the escalation. Here you say, maybe we'll do nothing, or maybe we'll do something really dramatic, um, and you'll find out when you look out the window and see smoke. But this cannot be allowed to go unchallenged, because if it is, something else will happen. The Iranians have, first of all, attacked an oil tanker. Then they have shot down an American military asset. If they're told, well, you can do both those things with impunity, especially given the nature of that regime, mm-hmm. uh, they're liable to do something worse next. And it's interesting, um, because Trump could say at one point, and I think there was some credibility to this, that he thought it was probably a mistake that whoever said fire um, probably wasn't actually authorized to do that. And th- that is an outside possibility in that the Iranians uh, will, in fact, 
quietly send a message to the Americans through back channels saying, well, we found out who did it and they're spending the next 10 years in jail. And then nobody will say anything and it'll be settled. But again, Trump is not Richard Nixon. Nixon had a capacity to be a mad bomber, but there was a lot of very careful calculation uh, and hard-headed strategic thought informed by a wide knowledge of history in the case of Richard Nixon, believe it or not. Um, With Donald Trump, one cannot say any of these things. And at one point on Friday, he said he doesn't want war, but if it comes, there will be, quote, obliteration like you've never seen before, end Mm -hmm. quote. Yeah. Well, like worse than Hiroshima? Worse than Dresden? Worse than the firebombing of Tokyo? These are words that mean nothing. And this is very problematic when the President of the United States is making threats that sound more in the rhetorical range of Hezbollah. I don't think it's constructive. So I don't think anybody knows what's going to happen next. But I hope that somehow the Iranians are on notice that that needed to be a mistake and it mustn't be repeated. Or, you know, just certain of the following things are going to go boom. Um, which may or may not have happened. And with Trump, you just, you never know in ways that are on the whole more disquieting than reassuring. Yeah, I mean, look, he's got two very kind of hawkish, um, you know, advisors in John Bolton and and Mike Pompeo, uh, but clearly they didn't decide to do anything last night. And I don't think there's a big appetite for war, but, you know, speaking for myself, I have zero appetite for Iran. And so I would have no problem if they want to poke this bear to get taught a lesson. At At the same point, though, once you go after Iran... Then Israel's got, you know, that opens a Pandora's box of problem in in the Middle East, the destabilization, and then you draw Russia in and China. So this thing could get real ugly real fast. Yeah, and this is always true. And there's a certain kind of sophisticated thinking about world affairs that always ends up concluding that the United States is helpless. Because if they do X, Y will happen. And then if they do Z in response, then you'll get double A will happen. And somehow the ladder of escalation is always dominated by the other side. So the United States were not, in fact the hyperpower. Um, But the United States does have military dominance over Iran, and I don't think the Russians want to mix it up. Uh, And attacking Israel is not a very good bet, because in the first place, the Israelis are a very formidable adversary. And in the second place, anybody who really threatens Israel is going to bring in the full might of the United States, including if Israel were faced with annihilation, the United States would use nuclear weapons. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know... (laughs) Am I allowed to quote Adolf Hitler? Because one thing he said that was actually very worth heeding, he said, whoever starts a war enters a dark room. And this is true not only of the Americans, it's important to remember, but also of their adversaries. The Iranians don't know what the Americans will do. They don't know what they can do. Mm-hmm. They don't know what they're thinking about doing. Um, but I'll just I'll backtrack a bit. This, you know, you mentioned that the president has two very hawkish advisors. They may, in fact, have prevailed on him and then gone off thinking, here come the strikes, turned on their TV and seen the president going, oh, I decided not to, and gone, oh, what? Uh, you know, I think that giving, being an advisor to Donald Trump must be a very, very strange experience. I think Nixon's close aides, and probably Reagan's close aides, and for that matter, I would think Barack Obama's close aides, if they had a conversation with him about what was going to happen, and then he made a decision, they could know they'd wake up in the morning and discover that the decision had been carried out, whether it was to do something or to not do something. But with Donald Trump, I suspect that you leave the office thinking, I have no idea right. what's going to happen next. Yeah. And, and, you know, Obama is the maker of, like, the worst of the deal because he's the one that uh, offered up $150 billion and struck this deal with Iran, which I thought was a very big mistake. You know, on the flip side, you know, Justin Trudeau went about wanting to normalize relations because he has some kind of respect for Iran. Uh, so it does create an interesting situation for him should Mr. Trump come to Mr. Trudeau and 
suggest that we uh, offer up our support as allies. So, you know, politically, it could get uh, interesting maybe here domestically. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, Trudeau is going to have to say, well, I'm sorry, Mr. President, but but our armed forces um, were mothballed. Uh, I don't know what we have, but I know it won't help. But it, it's fairly easy for him to say we seek decent relations with all regimes in the world. We have no animus against the Iranian people. However, the behavior of the Iranian government in this case was so outrageous that you go punch him out, Donald, and we'll clap. I, I, I think it's easy enough to do that. And there isn't, you know, there isn't a big domestic constituency here for not doing anything about Iran, um, especially if you don't actually do anything except go, you go, Uncle Sam. Uh, you know, and, and again, Trudeau has this weird kind of affection for hostile regimes based on a certain apparent unease with our own civilization. So he has this admiration for the Chinese dictatorship. He wants to normalize with Iran. It's like, you know, his father with Viva Fidel and going to the Soviet Union and that sort of stuff. Uh, you know, it's sort of adolescent fun and games, but it doesn't it doesn't really commit you to much. You, you, you're, there's nothing you can't back down from in a hurry if the shooting starts. Sure. Um, so if you're a betting man, if you're a betting man, where is this going in the next couple of weeks? I would think that there is going to be a strike on some Iranian military facility. I think, yeah. I think probably, um, or, and it's even conceivable that the Israelis are talking to the Americans and saying, don't just shoot some, you know, missile factory or something. Let's go after the nuclear program. Let's take our time and do this yeah. right. Because one thing about Donald Trump is that he does understand that when you do something, it should be dramatic, that you, you need to exert yourself a lot less frequently if when you do exert yourself, you really uh, make people suffer so that other people sit up and take notice. Um, but I think the Iranian regime is, is very belligerent, irrational, overconfident, and has very little understanding of its enemies. They probably now think America's soft. My guess is they'll do something stupid, and uh, and we will see something significant get destroyed. But it's, you know, that's a 60-40 bet. I noticed, by the way, that Wall Street, you know, the stocks rally mm-hmm. because there's less trouble with China, and nobody cares about trouble with Iran. So either the traders don't think there's going to be any shooting, or they think Iran won't come out of it looking very, doing very well. Um, so my, my guess is there will be some kind of limited military action um, but I'm not certain. I'm just I'm giving you 60% and hoping for a historian. That's pretty good. You want to know what's happening in the War of 1812? Um, I'll give you a much more solid. <laughs> All the right. White House is getting burned. Okay? Yeah, Let's well, face it. There you go. All right. Well, we will call on you uh, when the shock and awe part two takes place. Uh, John, thanks very much. Oh, it was a pleasure. That is John Robson. You can always read him in uh, the National Post. Always a good perspective on a lot of big issues.